Hello and welcome to another episode of No Plans to Merge. I'm your host, Caleb Porzio. I'm your other host, Dan Colburn, sounding much cleaner and crisper. True. I got a case of the fuzzies. Um, I do. This episode is brought to you by Honey Badger. Honey Badger. Thank you, Honey Badger, for sponsoring our podcast. As always, you are our favorite Honey Badger. Mm. Caleb, why do you sound so fuzzy? Uh, yeah, so I've been traveling. And I'm in Europe. And, and you know how traveling distorts your voice? Exactly. It's the bandwidth. It's mm-hmm. because of the wire that goes under the ocean to get to you. Mm-hmm. The ocean wire. Yeah, the ocean wire is why I sound yeah. like this. That's why Europeans have an accent. Because of the wire? The ocean wire? There's not enough bandwidth to talk regular. No, like they... a good American. The correct way. I thought the same thing, but now that uh-huh. I'm here... And I'm talking to them in they person, talk they still talk that way, yeah. Weird, 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 weird. I know. Huh. Mm. So you're in Europe. I'm in Europe. You're, you're in Europe. First time in the EU. Yeah. I have never been to the I'm EU. I'm traveling, man. I'm going on like two weeks here. Woo. Ooh. Ooh-wee. You stay in? You coming home? I think we're going to come home. I'm ready to come home. Mm. I'm ready for some, some U.S. Paris uh, Disney is not as good. Definitely not as good. No way. <laughs> huh. Yeah. It's okay. What is it? Are they just more judgmental or something? They definitely are not as happy and not like service is not as a top priority as it is in the U.S. Like mm. everybody who works at Disney in the U.S. is paid <laughs> under the table uh-huh. and drugged to be extremely uh-huh. happy and friendly all the time. Right. And in Paris, they're just like smoking cigarettes and frowning at you. <laughs> For real, I bought a crepe today. Literally bought a crepe at a cart. <laughs> the guy ashed in your crepe. <laughs> Take the crepe. She was. This girl was so. She she was so upset with the world, and you just wouldn't find like she'd be fired instantly in Florida. Just wouldn't mm. happen. Like people in Florida, you feel like they're all. You know, like we've talked about the Disney psychosis thing where like mm. oh, we've talked about young twenty somethings are just like enamored with this place. Caught they're in the so machine. Happy to the be happy there. Machine. Yeah, and they're doing you know, like Stewie when he gets locked in the small world ride. It's mm-hmm. the same thing. Here it's not that way. Here it's like you're going to seven eleven, they're like, Oh it's like it's like they I don't know, they work it's like a college Kids working at a Six Flags to pay off their drinking habit or something, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's valid. Well, you know, the French, they're more open about their angst. <laughs> it's true. They popularized angst. It's kind of their thing. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's true. It's funny. There's some people who, you know, give good service. But for the most part, it's, um, yeah. There's less smiles per capita, no doubt. Yeah. But, well, it's because the the tyranny of the tip economy is not so hardcore. Yeah, I wonder how much that plays a role. It's true. I didn't even. I t- it, we just it went plays out a to huge eat and I totally role. forgot to tip at all. Because it's but not even. Do you tip in France? I mean, I do, just because I feel like unbelievably guilty if I don't. The uh-huh. first time we went when we landed in Belgium, we went out to eat, and I I said, "How do I tip you?" I said, "It's not on the receipt." And he's like, mm-hmm. oh, I can put it on the receipt, but you would have had to told me that, tell me that before I checked you out. And he's like, oh, you're American, aren't you? I'm like, yeah. Yeah. He's like, yeah, that's not like that here. And then he shows me this jar of euros, just a jar mm-hmm. of euros. He's like, that's what tips are. 
Like, if you want to throw me a euro, thanks. But yeah, he said we get paid well. So oh, all on, right, on their, well, there you go. On our own, so we, you know, we got that going for them. Yeah, they do. So, so that's fun. But France is good. Paris is good. Um, Hannah got her. How was full stack? Pickpocketed. No way. Yeah. Yeah. By a, by an urchin. Uh, what's that? Like a street urchin, like a like a David Copperfield type. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure. Who knows? We we just got done eating homemade onions. Like an orphan, soup. you know. Like an orphan, I get mm-hmm. it. Um, we got we had homemade onion soup. Mm-hmm. Add a little like French bistro. Uh, not French onion soup as we know it. It's homemade Different onion soup. soup. The title on the menu is homemade onion soup. I love that because like we always mm-hmm. like I'm Italian, so people say Italian wedding yeah. soup, and I'm like, oh, that's just soup. Like, that's mm-hmm. just our soup. And I'm mostly joking. But it's true. Mm-hmm. Like, that's so funny that it's just homemade onion soup. Anyway, and it's the hustle bustle time. It's rush hour. And we went into the subway. And basically, like, after one stop, she looks at me with just that terrified look of, like, I don't have my phone. And I'm like, Damn. all right, well, you might, we might have left at the restaurant, but we both knew of it. When you were, when you were at the soup place, yeah. was there a child with a bowl asking, please, sir, may I have another? No, um, they're usually... Because if there was, then that's that's your urchin for sure. That's going to be the one. <laughs> I think it's just dudes who go on the subway when it's packed. I mean, it yeah, was like sardine-level subway action. I mean, we were sardines mm-hmm. in the subway. People were just getting mushed. And somebody, I'm, just, I'm sure, was like, oh, well, I'll take that. Um, I'll have that phone. Yeah, so... Which is funny because I'm the one. She's been warning me the whole time. Like, keep everything in your front pockets, you know. And I'm like, okay, all right. Mm -hmm. And she gets hers jacked. So, anyway. Paris. Lame. They say the pickpocket thing is an issue. And uh, at least uh, we can confirm it. Come to find out. Facts only. Yeah. So, so that's that. But full stack EU. Full stack EU was You spoke. Yeah, I did. I did. How'd the talk go? Great. So, last last time we spoke... Um, I was like, take them from place to place. Okay. Start in a place, go to another place. Cause I don't think you were quite there yet. Yeah. You didn't have like code examples. Right. Um, and then some of the tweet activity I saw made it sound like you did actually do that. It was all code. Hell yeah. Yeah. It, how was it? It was, it started off as half slides, half code, and it just kept creeping further and further towards all code until yeah. the night before, like. you wathened yeah i just kept chopping slides chopping slides chopping slides just thinking that you know i I knew the right answer the right answer is just let the code speak give it space it's harder to live code yeah uh pros and cons it's harder in some ways but it's probably like scarier when you're thinking about doing it than like yes oh i'll have this totally prepared slide deck where nothing can go wrong and like my first Laracon talk and my first couple talks anywhere, I just practiced the slides and my talking word for word. Like mm-hmm. I didn't I didn't go up there with word for word script written down or anything, but I practiced it yeah. enough that it was It was ready. Yeah, that it was a train on a track. But the yeah. the live coding is a little bit more of a mystery. Like yeah. So you were extemporaneous, Caleb Porzio this time. I don't know what that means extemporaneous like off the cuff okay off the dome yeah as they say i've acquired the enough industry. speaking um confidence that i'm mm-hmm. really proud of because i worked hard for mm-hmm. it like i mm-hmm. spent enough time 
terrified and just thinking I'll never do this again and whatever. But I've gotten past the point where now I'm not really nervous and I know I'll do well and so I can use some of that and yeah. Dope. Yeah. But it went really well. It went super well. And I feel like I had to, you know, I had to to hash out that argument publicly with you and with Twitter. Oh, with Twitter for sure. Big time. I had to just keep... Twitter's such a great character in our drama. I know it is. It's <laughs> it totally is. Um so, you know, I started with, I, I totally couldn't find my voice. I couldn't find my position for the longest time. And because of hitting you and Twitter, basically, I don't know, probably five days before the talk, I found exactly what I believed. And yeah, I, I don't no, know. it was great. You kept tweeting basically the same sentence, but slightly tweaked. Yeah. It was great. I think it's going to be my new tactic. Like, cause, <laughs> Just tweet a strong position held loosely, bro. Yeah, exactly. Just tweet something... So it's something that pops into my head that I'm like, nope, this mm-hmm. is true. That normally mm-hmm. I think, oh, don't post this. Everybody's going to freak out at you. Just post it. Everybody's going to yell and freak out. And then mm-hmm. if it actually informs your position in some way, you know, it's, it's so hard to describe why I did that. Because a part of it, to catch the listener up, my first tweet was, uh, spas are overkill for most web apps. Pretty sure that was the tweet. Mm-hmm. I think it was React and View. React and View oh, yeah, are yeah, overkill yeah. for React most React and View are overkill for most web apps. That got a lot of pushback. Yeah. And then it was you React think? and View are mo- are overkill for most Laravel apps. Uh-huh. Then it was React and View are overkill for most Laravel apps that I work on. Right, exactly. <laughs> so the position kept being refined until, so the first tweet, I had a handful of people that were like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm in, like, retweet, you're totally right, blah, blah, blah. Really soon after I tweeted that, Adam Wathen replies mm-hmm. with like, "You're wrong. I disagree. This is why I disagree." And then most people read or like like his tweet. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> like he gets more likes on his than I do on mine. Classic <laughs> Adam. Great. And then uh, so then the next tweet I tweeted. So I sat with it and I wrestled with people about it mm-hmm. and with him and with everyone. And then the second tweet was my refined position, and less people freaked out about it. Right, and then I refined it even further, and by that third tweet, nobody was freaking out. Yeah, like it was mostly people just agreeing or saying, agreeing or ignoring. You know. Yeah, well, no one can really disagree with for apps I build. I know, so that, that's where it's, it's, bu- it's got like a built-in protection. Right, like a part of it was me just being like, okay, Twitter, I know how this goes. I'm gonna play your own game. Like mm-hmm. I'll post the same thing again until I get to say my point without everybody freaking out. Yeah, you know, like that. So the the most recent tweet, did you see? I, I said, um, uh, like maintainability, performance, like all these things that people yell about a lot. Like mm-hmm. it's not performant, it's not maintainable, it's not scalable, it's not robust enough. Blah 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 blah. I listed all these things and I said none of them are virtues unto themselves. They're all um, none of them are standalone virtues. They're all uh, I don't know what I said. They're all to be traded off, basically. Like they're all values yeah. that you they're competing values and you trade them off. And that's what you do as a web developer. Mm-hmm. And anything else is religion. Like if anybody tells you, and I don't know if I wrote it that way, I think I did. That's what I wanted to say. It was it's like, a good way to write it. If anybody says anything else, it's just they're just being religious. You're in a cult. Exactly. Somebody is holding to something for reasons yeah. that are not like reasonable, you know. Right. Well, they might be reasonable, but they're not valuable to me. Yeah, they're not being, they're, they're just. For it may be reasonable of them to have like, 
oh, I, I wrote a book about this, and so right. I need to uphold this position or else I'll be wrong. Yeah, exactly. And my right. book won't sell well. Yeah, you're That's right. a very reasonable position. It's just, it just doesn't do anything for me. <laughs> True. Yep. And it's, I mean, and I find myself in that plenty, so I get it. But, um, but I tweeted that, and oh, so, <laughs> so immediately somebody tweets at me about accessible, Dave Hicking. He tweets at me about um, accessibility, which is funny. He's the accessibility guy. Of course he would. He is the accessibility guy. And he's just questioning. You know, he's just like, yeah, okay, I get it. But what about accessibility? Like, you're trading that off, bro? He's like, yeah. you think that's a trade-off? Like, you're just going to, like, have... I like how you did Dave Hicking's voice when you said that. <laughs> that's not how he talks either. Anyway... Um, all right, so here's the hidden part. I'm just gonna, I'm spilling it. So Adam tweets, Hit Adam me. telegrams me privately. And this uh-huh. is, I think, I forget where I'm at in my Paris trip, or I was in Belgium at the time. Mm-hmm. And Adam tweets at me. And I, okay, so this came out of a dinner I, conversation I had with Sebastian Dedine. We were out to dinner. Mm-hmm. All the. Who's slowly becoming one of the largest off screen characters of this show. Yeah, he is. I think he gets mentioned every episode now. Yeah, I. For some, to me, he seems like he's a strong, strong character to me yeah. in the Laravel community. He's con- he has the consistency. Like I see characteristics mm-hmm. of the Wathen in him. Mm-hmm. Like he has the consistency, but, but he's a little bit less explosive. He's definitely you know? not as explosive. He keeps it. He keeps it close to the vest. Yes, he's very calculated. It seems, and his thoughts are clear and concise, mm-hmm. um, and he's consistent. And everything he does appears to be clean. So I'm just attracted to him in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but I got to hang out with him a bunch at Full Stack EU. And he listens to this. So, so hey, Sebastian. But, what up? but we got to hang out. And, uh, mm-hmm. and over dinner, I, I was talking with him and some other, someone else. And I, I basically started preaching at one point. And I was getting all fired up. And I, I'm like, mm-hmm. all of these things, they're, not, they're virtues unto themselves, whatever. So I made a mental note. Tweet this next time mm-hmm. you feel passionate about this. And mm-hmm. I did. Okay. The story is coming to the point I'm trying to tell you that Adam tweets at me. So he replies to Dave and is like, yeah, you know, accessibility is a trade-off. Like mm-hmm. aesthetics and accessibility collide. Like you try to make the perfect looking website, but it doesn't have accessible colors because yeah. the contrast isn't high enough. So, you know, there's a trade-off. I'm not saying it's the right trade-off, but, you know, it's a trade-off. Mm-hmm. And so he says that and I start getting involved just a tiny bit. And then I, my tweet is like, Okay, Dave, I agree with Adam. Everything he said. Adam made all the points I wanted to make. And I, as I'm catching up on this, I'm like, yep, that's everything that I would make. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, I'm not just going to let it sit there. Like, let's mm-hmm. not like do all that and then at the end say, but yeah, 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 accessibility, like we should do that like above mm-hmm. all else and blah, blah, blah. So I was like, I agree with everything Adam said. And I'm going to add that I, to like be original to my original tweet, I think it's, I think accessibility is not an objective good. And I started kind of delving into that. And, mm-hmm. and Adam like, tweets or telegrams me like, dude, this tweet will end your career if the wrong people find it. <laughs> mm. He's like, your career is over if the wrong people find this tweet. <laughs> and when mm. Adam Wadden messages you something like that, m- at least me, there's a part of me that's like, oh, shit. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, this could be it. It could be it. You know, so did you delete the tweet? No. Well, Ooh. right after that, I'm like, I'm not going to delete the... I... I've learned enough to know that I don't know if I'll ever delete a tweet again. Hmm. 
You're not like me. I misspell every tweet first and then delete it and then repost it again with the spelling correct. Occasionally, maybe, but yeah. I delete every tweet. (laughs) But to delete a tweet out of cowardice or something. For perception reasons, yeah. Yeah, right. Like, I I don't. Optics. Hashtag optics. I don't think I do that anymore. So he told, you know, my, my immediate processing is oh shit, like I could be in trouble here. Then I'm like, wait a minute. Do you believe what you said? Yeah, I believe Mm -hmm. what I said. So stick with it. So what if I go down with it, you know? So why don't you unpack it here so that uh, we can find out if you're really a monster? Yeah, so (laughs) me and you would would talk like this. The problem is these ideas in the wrong hands. Mm -hmm. I can say accessibility is not an objective good. I can also mm-hmm. say that nothing is an objective good <laughs> mm-hmm. because I'm just a relativist in general. Yeah, you can start questioning the, the concept of objective good. Exactly. Like there is no yeah. objective good. Uh-huh. And I believe that the same thing, mm-hmm. but, uh, but we'll bring it back down to earth and I'll say that accessibility is good, but mm-hmm. thought experiment, if you're building a website for mm-hmm. people, let's say you're building a website for people you know are not blind. Mm-hmm. Do you make it accessible for blind people? Uh, I don't know. Like fighter pilots or something. Yeah. Right? It's like a fighter pilot social network. Yep. And the funny you thing see, is, know for sure this sounds is, like a thought experiment, but the last project uh-huh. I worked on with Dave Hicking was the nature of the product was basically like, if somebody makes it this far in the product, they are healthy. <laughs> Because it's a healthcare app. Huh. And anybody... Oh, yeah, yeah, And there's an automatic denial system for anybody who meets, like, any basically life-changing illness, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, anybody who's made it this far is not blind, because literally blindness is something that will get you disqualified, you know? Uh-huh, uh-huh. Interesting. So, anyway, go on, um, go on. Well, no. I mean, let's uh, let's unpack what you mean by objective goods here yeah i I mean that that is that okay so like so you make the claim right that like you know accessibility or maintainability or whatever none of these things are like objective good objective virtues yeah they're not standalone virtues they're not things that you can say this is good because it's maintainable sure um so that we can see if that statement means anything uh, are there things in the world that you think are objective virtues or standalone virtues? I think I act as though there are when I program. Oh, wait, are you saying in the world or in program? Just in general, in the existence of the universe. Like, is kindness right. I've, a... I've come to, for me, functionally, mm-hmm. functionally, self selflessness is an mm-hmm. objective good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what are there other objective goods beyond selflessness, or is selflessness the only objective good? I think there are children of selflessness that are objective goods because selflessness is. Mm-hmm. But I don't know you. Uh, I, I mean, selflessness? I no, I, I mean, I kind of buy into what you're saying. Um, selflessness, yeah, yeah, I'm okay with that. You know, you could get into like a whole, yeah, or you get into a whole like fruits of the spirit thing or whatever. <laughs> but, uh, but like those, oh, uh, yeah, interesting. 
You know what? Um, I, I, I do believe the fruits of the Spirit are objective goods, functionally, for me. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control for those. Yeah, for well, those okay, so let's discount goodness because Christians. that's... Goodness is, like, uh, <laughs> self-referential. So we can't... Saying that goodness is an objective right. good is kind of stupid. Yeah, so forget about goodness, right? right. Um, but let's say, like, patience yeah, yeah. and kindness, yeah. right? Yeah. Are there situations where patience and kindness as objective goods conflict with each other? Where... To be patient, you have to be less kind, or to be kind, you have to be less patient. Uh, I mean, I'm sure there are. It's interesting, because to be kind, kindness as the object and patience as the, I don't know, the accessory makes more sense. But patience, I can't think of like how you can be patient and not kind like being kind being not kind is a prerequisite for some situation where being patient is good i don't know i can't think of anything off the top of my head you um yeah well i'm, I'm kind of thinking of like maybe there's a situation where like uh you know say i like lent someone money and then they're like wow. then they're like you know not paying me back on time or whatever you know and so now I've got this money floating out here and then I've all got this other opportunity that like that money could be of like a lot of use, like helping someone, you know, like there's someone who I want to give that money to, to like help them start their life or something, you know? Yeah. Um, so I'm like, okay, well the kind thing that I want to do, which is like starting, you know, giving this person a thousand dollars to like, you know, get a car so that they can get this job so that they can provide for their family or whatever, you know? Yeah. That's like the kind thing that I want to do, but it requires me to go like crack some heads to get this guy to pay me back the money <laughs> right. that he owes me. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, and so it's like, I don't know. That's like that's like the type of thing that I'm thinking where it's like, oh, there may be situations where like you have to like decide which of these virtues you're going to lean into in this particular moment. I got one. Um, what you got? You're at the checkout at Walmart. Mm-hmm. And patient the patient thing to do is mm-hmm. to uh i don't know insert thing you do at the checkout that takes forever here so mm-hmm. maybe to pack everything in neatly or to be patient with your credit card reader or mm-hmm. something like that or be patient with the mm-hmm. clerk mm-hmm. but the kind thing to do to your neighbor is mm-hmm. to get the hell out of there and let them go. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and maybe like y- your wife sent you to the store and really wants you to come home quickly. So there's like also the like kind thing to do is to like get back with the thing that you were sent to the store for. Right. Quickly. And this is a perfect know? example of, of like every virtue is a, is held in tension with other virtues. Like, right. So I think that you, that virtues are held in tension with other virtues, mm-hmm. but if we're going to say that these virtues are objective goods, then do we then get to say that just because maintainability and accessibility and all these things are held in tension means that they are not objective goods? Yeah, right. Well, I guess what... Because if we can say that patience and kindness are objective goods but are also held in tension with each other, then holding intention does not disqualify something from being an objective good. I guess the thing with software is that the aim is clear. 
and it's not it's not clear it's not uh, consistent among all projects. But there's an aim in every project. Like you start a programming, you start a program, you write a program mm-hmm. for a goal or a series of goals, mm-hmm. and then everything else falls into place relative to those goals. That's the big story, right? So, but I think yeah, and I think the thing is that when you write software with multiple people, those goals, everyone has their own goals and they're in conflict. That's true. That's definitely true. But overall, the goal of the software, like if we're writing, um, we're writing restaurant menu software or something. Sure. The goal is to provide the restaurants with a system, the customers with a system that they can view the menu and order food and the restaurants mm-hmm. can, you know, a good experience for the customer, a good experience for the restaurants. Like there's lots of values that are objective and defined and concrete. And then you can say, you know, we're going to build this thing. It's a hackathon. We're going to destroy the whole thing after a week and rebuild it if it's successful after our first week mm-hmm. run. So maintainability is not an issue, you know, mm-hmm. like they're like you can, re- you know what? It's just a it's just a hacking project. Accessibility we're not worried about. We're doing it for the demo and it's an only sure. visual demo. Forget about accessibility. Sure. Performance sure. matters actually because we're going to demo it with people on their smartphones with bad internet connections. So that matters. Sure. You know what I'm saying? So it's like at, we're in the real world and with things like selfishness and unselfishness and fruits of the spirit and everything. It gets very abstract really quickly because quickly you go to like, well, what's the meaning of life? What are our goals in life? Well, what no, but my... I think you get. I think you can get there just as quickly with software. Right where it's yeah, like, yeah, but there's a reasonable divide. People, but go on. Yeah, yeah, yeah but but like I'm look at like a little bit higher level than just like what is the software supposed to do? Okay. Right. Yeah. Um, and you quickly get to the point of like, like how many times have you been on an app where like there was a decision to be made of like, do we do what's best for the user or do we do what's best for the revenue? Oh, for sure. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And very quickly, those two things are held in tension all the time, yeah. right? Yep. And then there's this other thing, which is like, do you do what's best for the developer experience? Yeah, totally. Right? Yes. And so you often get into this situation where like the product owner or the product manager or whatever yeah. wants to do the thing that's best for the user or maybe the designer, say, wants to do the thing that's best for the user. The developer wants to do the thing that's best for the developer experience. Yep. And the person who owns the most shares in the company wants to do the thing that's best <laughs> for the revenue. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. And we can all sit here and be like, well, obviously we have a unified goal, which is to like let people view the menu of restaurants. Yep. Right? And it's like, yeah, but like when it comes down to this one thing. This whole like, thing's nothing without the bottom line. If we don't, yeah. if we're not paying our employees, like the point of this is not to provide people with with a menu it's to pay people and feed their families who work on this app you know i mean it's yeah yeah, yeah. but well that's what that's what the developer might say because he's someone who works on the app right or the owner but of the, the person or the, but the owner of the company might the say CTO, the point of this isn't to feed the families right. the point of this is to make me a hundred million dollars right if they're right if they're like enough to i don't that. care about your family i care about a hundred million dollars yeah, right. yep. you know mm-hmm. and so like things things are intention right yes like, there's plenty of places where it's like, oh, I could do it that way, but if I do it that way, that's going to be 80-hour weeks for the next four weeks, and the developer experience is bad, and the revenue is great, you know? 
when I first wrote the tweet before I listed all those things I wrote, I started trying to categorize them in user experience mm-hmm. and developer experience and basically kind of what you're saying that these overarching categories and because I've, I guess in my mind, I've been kind of thinking like, it seems if somebody, okay, let's say you haven't thought about this a lot and somebody at a conference mm-hmm. is on stage and goes, what matters at the end of the day is the user experience. Most mm-hmm. people would go, okay, yeah, all right, I'll get with that, you know? But that's one of those things that's like, well. But what they mean can be so different, right? True. But let's just say that they mean, let's just say that they mean the user, like the users being able to do what they want to do quickly and easily. Sure. Like that's what matters. It doesn't matter what tools mm-hmm. you're using. It doesn't matter. Well, then you could also say, yeah, but you know, the developer experience matters a ton because it's going to mm-hmm. directly impact the user experience and you know, mm-hmm. you can tangle this web and basically this is stuff I've just been thinking about hard in the past couple of weeks because I've been wanting to weave it into my talk and realizing, wait, I can't take a hard position on which which is best to serve. They're all well, held in tension. Let's look at, um, I think each of those sort of like quote unquote virtues that you mentioned, like yes. uh, maintainability and accessibility. Right. Each of those I think are from like a utilitarian perspective are like the most good for a certain group of people. Okay. Like maintainability is like kindness to the future developer. Sure. Right. Yeah. And accessibility is like kindness to the widest possible audience of users. Right. Yeah. Um, And so I think the real virtues that you're, that you're, extolling when you use these words are like I have an opportunity to make someone's life better here whose is it going to be you yeah, know exactly and obviously like the utilitarian perspective on this is like as many as possible yeah right mm-hmm. so it's like pick four out of six you know that's what you can probably like be excellent at and two are going to slip you know which two are they going to be um it's interesting it's really interesting um the this is a tree falls in the woods and knows so if uh maybe this is the core of what i'm getting at the religion part that still stands mm -hmm. i think here is that you know if a tree falls and no one's around to hear it does it make it does it make a sound if you develop code that's maintainable and nobody's around to maintain it does it matter is it good? Right. And that's the question. It's like, if you develop something that's accessible and nobody who's, who uses a screen Needs reader that. ever judges yeah. your website, did it matter? Was it good? Should right. you have done it? Right. And I think that's the thing that I'm, that, that is the, the thing that I'm trying, that, that I'm saying when I say it's not an objective good. I'm saying that if you write an accessible app in the woods and nobody's around to use it, it's not good. You didn't benefit the universe. You just did something yeah. for no reason. Right. Yeah. Really like I that. agree. But I think that the thing that's telling about this is that like, and I think when people are, are championing accessibility these days, what they're really championing is we have this totem pole of rights that we want to protect. We want to protect the developer's rights. We want to protect the business owner's rights. We want to protect the like happy path, ideal, wealthy user who's going to have the highest lifetime value to the company. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and often at the bottom of the totem pole has been like accessible to the broadest number of possible users. Sure. Right. And I think yeah. what people are saying when they champion accessibility is like, why don't we move that up the totem pole? Yeah. Right. And that's why you and find say, all the same characteristics that you find in the social justice stuff. It's a lot of the same. The conversations have a lot of the same tone, a lot of the same mm-hmm. type of person who decides to take up the mantle sure. and fight, you know, for accessibility mm-hmm. and represent a marginalized group. It's, it's that, mm-hmm. that same thing. So all the same pro, the pros and cons of that, that movement, you know, or the, the characteristics of that movement, I find the same, they're the same. It's like, in my mind, it's like, mm-hmm. it's very, they're very similar because, because of that. So you get all the things. There's a marginalized group of people who've been overlooked. There's people who are trying to raise awareness about this and say that, hey, we're overlooking this group of people. And then there's all the trappings that go with it. It's a perfect analogy because there's people who are trying to represent the marginalized community but are doing it wrong. There's people Mm -hmm. who are doing it for their own gain. There's people who are doing it and misrepresenting. Yeah, you know, it's like all those things. There's people who are virtue signaling out the wazoo just like looking to pick a fight. There's there's the the ever-moving conversation like, you know, try to try to stay on top of what's accessible and what's not, and say the right words and be in the right place in the conversation. It's very hard. It's not. Mm-hmm. It's not cool, calm waters. It's like, it's it, <laughs> it. It's murky, and you step in and you wade in, and you might get like beat up. But anyway. Mm. Yeah. Fair enough. All right, real quick. Let's talk about uh, David Hemphill's tweet about testing Nova Actions. Wait, before we do transition, my last point yes. here, I shouldn't have oh, ever said we'll the word accessibility. Oh, we should do sponsors. My next tweet, if people freaked uh-huh. out about this tweet, so contrary to what Adam Wathen said might happen, it did not happen, and I was very grateful. So I'm going to be honest with you. Adam said that, and I deleted my Twitter app on my phone because I was like, I'm like, nope, I'm on vacation. Like, I'm with Hannah. Mm-hmm. I'm supposed to be eating Belgian chocolate and not worrying about mm-hmm. people fighting with me. So I just deleted the Twitter app. I just reinstalled it today. It's been like a week and a half. Did anyone freak out? And I looked every once in a while in the back of my head. I'm like, I wonder if. And I look on. Nobody cares. Nobody said a word. Mm-hmm. Nobody cares. It's like a relatively unpopular Well, he did, he, did, he did say if the wrong people find it. No, I know. He didn't say that this is impending doom he said yeah and mm-hmm. i think he's right i don't think he's wrong but uh but nobody cares it, the wrong the right people did not find the tweet so i was yeah. like oh i can i can come back to twitter and not you know yeah not- i should i should uh have a long conversation about this tweet on my popular internet podcast just to make sure that if anyone missed it they have a right. chance then they to go really find it really heard about it um but yeah. i say all this to say that my plan was, I basically realized that the perfect thing for me to do, if I come back and everybody's mm-hmm. freaking out about it, I'm not going to explain myself and go nuts about that, whatever. I'll just, just tweet the next tweet, the same thing, and leave out the word accessibility. Mm-hmm. And that's my point with that retweeting the same thing over and over until people stop freaking out. It's like, I didn't mean to yell about accessibility. Like, I, could make, I, wanna make, I can make the point without the word accessibility. I don't need that word. I'm trying mm-hmm. to make a different point. Yeah. Let's just say simplicity and maintainability. Let's talk about that, you know. Mm-hmm. Okay. Anyway, enough about me. Let's sponsor Sponsors. and then talk Nova. Thank you. This podcast. Honey Badger. <sighs> Honey Badger. 
for sponsoring the show. We are so thankful to you, our dear badger that tastes like honey. Thank you. Mm. Sweet, sweet badger. If you, listener, program in Laravel, like I'm guessing you do. You know what? If you don't program in Laravel and you just program, or you work for a company where people program, I bet you have a program. And you know what I also bet? That it breaks sometimes. And by sometimes, I mean all the time. And if you don't have an error tracker like Honey Badger, you may not know it. And you may think I'm talking crazy talk. But let me tell you, you go to honeybadger.com. I O. I O. I O. I O. Honeybadger.io. Go to Honey Badger, sign up, change your life. You will find out that you have errors happening all the darn time and your users are being inconvenienced and leaving your site in haste. What you need to do is prevent that and get ahead of it and learn who are the users, what are they experiencing, when did they experience it, how can I make their lives easier, how can I fix it, how can I track that fix. Honey Badger does all those things. It tracks everything for you. It gives you all the information you need. It's fast. It's reliable. It does everything. It's super easy to set up. It takes like two or three seconds, depending on how fast you can type the words composer require Honey Badger slash, I don't know, probably Honey Badger or something. So that's that. They do uh, heartbeat monitoring. They monitor your cron job so you can sleep at night. They monitor the uptime of your website so you can also sleep at night or go on vacation. Or It's like several monitoring tools rolled into one. Really? It's very convenient. It is. It's, uh, yeah, I'm a fan. Um, it does those things. It has a great blog. If you're looking to poke around a cool company blog that like thinks about programming in interesting ways, it's written with the Rails ethos. And it's... Yeah, it's made by people who write code the way we write code. Exactly. Too. It's made by our. You people. know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's it's our type of our type of programmers. You know, Caleb thinks that we are the average developer. I don't know if that's true, <laughs> but Honey Badger is the type of developer that we are, whether that's <laughs> average or not. Exactly. I dare you to go find ten microservices at Honey Badger headquarters. I dare you. Mm. Good luck. I bet their crowd monitoring is a microservice. That would be really interesting to figure out their stack. <laughs> we should get them on here at some really, point. Honestly, talk to fun. them. That would be super interesting. Be like, how does that work? Yep. Be like, oh, yeah, oh. yeah. So we got Kafka um, yeah. for all our event sourcing so that we can decouple our microservices so that every time somebody hits cron meter tab, we spin up a new Redis cluster on AWS Lambda um, region three with an IAM roll of four. And, uh, and it's all behind a, a Lambda Searcher API gateway router. Load balancer. Load balancer with a mm-hmm. reverse proxy. Mm, you love those reverse proxies. You got to have at when least you see two reverse proxies. Yeah. <laughs> to get your proxy back the way it was supposed to be going in exactly. the first place. Exactly. That's what you do. If you messed up with one reverse proxy, just reverse it. Just back reverse it again. With another reverse proxy. Reverse, reverse. Reverse, reverse. <laughs> exactly. Oh. Yeah. So that's that's that. And then of course all the assets are on S3. Mm-hmm. And uh, using um, everything's gotta be at the edge. That's what I keep telling yeah. everybody is it's gotta be right at the, at the edge. edge. It's gotta be scalable, it's gotta be serverless. Mm-hmm. Don't bring me your state. It better be stateless. Mm-hmm serverless there better be no computers involved with your website bring me your stateless your serverless your poor and huddled masses um and i will give them rest apis that's right um thank you to honey badger 
<laughs> the simplest, the simplest error monitoring solution out there. And TBH like saves you a lot of money because you don't have to sign up for like three different things. True. Get it. We're not going to name the three other things because they might sponsor the show and then we'll have to rep them. But I know what they are, we and you know what, know they, what are. they are. <laughs> you, if you aren't the person who just found out about Honey Badger, then you are the person who's paying for these three separate things. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yep. Yeah, it's true, and you know who you are. You know who you are. You know what they start you with. No. Mm. Don't make me start rhyming things. Mm. I would never. Oh, uh, back to the show. All I know is snitches get stitches. Snitches get stitches. I agree. You know, I, I'm watching uh, Breaking Bad agree. for the second uh-huh. time. And uh, what what do you think about about rats? And I, this is me just coming off of Sopranos. So I'm I'm like rats, as in the animals, or as in snitches. Snitches. I'm from Baltimore, uh, a city which is notorious for the stop snitching campaign. <laughs> Um, what? Yeah, man. In like the late '90s, early 2000s, there was a big movement called the Stop Snitching Movement. Uh, they made like this kind of like street DVD. Okay, it was so this kind of is like not, a, a hip hop and a hip hop and graffiti like not a DVD, but it was sanctioned uh, movement. This is Michelle Obama. No, no, this this uh, comes from the streets. Okay, this comes from the streets. But uh, it basically was like T-shirts and DVDs and stuff, and they were distributed and all across the country and everyone was repping stop snitching it was a movement it was a global movement oh. born out of baltimore interesting so anyway i like to think stop that snitching. i'm not a rat yeah but on these shows man these people are facing like 15 years in prison mm-hmm. i i empathize i'm looking at that yeah. i'm like damn it's so easy to be like yeah i wouldn't be a rat no way yeah no way no it's easy my lips would be sealed uh-huh. All I got to do is be like, put me in witness protection. I'll tell you everything you need to know. I'll go kick my feet up on the sand instead right. of spend 15 years in prison. Yeah. Those mafioso rats, that's like a kind of a different scene, I think, than like the, 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 the meth, sort of normal. Uh, meth dealing. Yeah. yeah. Well, like just the like the ratting on like, I sell a small amount of drugs. And I'm going to roll <laughs> on the guy who sells a large amount Yeah, of drugs. exactly. Right. You know? <laughs> yeah. Um, because that stuff is like they've got it down to a science, dude. Like that's just how they do the the mafioso junkies. Thing. No, no the the drug the oh, drug yeah, yeah, organization yeah. thing, yeah. right? It's like you bust some junkies, you get them to roll on the guy that they bought it from, then you bust yeah. the guy they bought it from, you get him to roll on the guy that he got it from, and you go up the chain until you hit someone who hit Tuco. So you hit someone who believes who believes in not snitching. Yeah, right. Yeah. The higher you go, the more likely you are. And they don't believe in it for any sort of I mean, there is some like ethics to it, for sure. right? Some like I'm ethically anti-snitching. Yeah. But everyone's ethically anti-snitching till it's time to snitch. Right. Yeah. Um but uh you know, I think you uh you get high enough up, there's people who are like if I snitch, people are going to know I snitched and I'm not safe in prison or out of right, prison. Yeah. So snitching's not an option. Yep. You know? Or they're in it for the long haul. They're in it for the reward of not snitching, whatever. So being paid. Yeah. Or, yeah I know a lot about um, 
prison and snitching. I'm on season five. Season five. There's a lot there. So there is a lot there. Uh, yeah. Tell me about casting Nova, Daniel. Dude. All right. So here's the deal. We did this whole podcast where we talked about one of the things that we talked about was that Nova actions are hard to test. Yeah. And we said, it's hard to test. Like, if I have an action, I have to pass fields. Yep. I have to pass an array of things. David Hempel, yep. uh, in jest, in jest, <laughs> took offense. He pretended to take offense for a good tweet. Um, and uh, he wrote a code example where uh, he had an action called add to shit list. Uh, <laughs> Did he and really? yeah, I even saw and his he, tweet. I just didn't read it that closely. Oh, you, it's so funny. I saw him it's hit the Nova funny. API route and all that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. He he has an action called add to shit list, and then he has an array of users, <laughs> me and Caleb, and then he asserts that both of us have the attribute dead to me. That is so funny. It was oh, so funny. How did I not see that, dude? You, I, dude, I, saw, it was I read the whole tweet so funny. Like, fast, and I understood Look, it. But yeah. clearly I'm not closely enough to wow. Oh my gosh, it was so funny. <laughs> it was so funny. Um But here's the deal. Here is the deal with Mr. Hemphill's tweet. He did test a Nova action. Yeah. No one can deny that he tested a Nova right, action. Right. Yeah. I would never deny it. Yep, me either. And but we're Let all me thinking be clear. the same thing. And by I don't all, think I mean my claim was that it was impossible to test a Nova action. <laughs> right. I said it was hard and shitty to test a Nova action. And I maintain that that is a hard and shitty way to test a Nova action. I agree. Here's why. Three reasons. Number one, he has to use the Nova API right. route that is like an internal Ajax route yeah. that like gets hit by like Nova JavaScript that you don't know how it works. Um, and you have to pass along a custom payload with like a custom structure, like resources object that's an array of users. Like, how am I supposed to know that that key is supposed to be resources unless I'm source diving the minified JavaScript or whatever? Um, so that's crazy that you I'm supposed to know that. minified JavaScript. <laughs> just no, just I'm just saying. Like, harder. how would I know? It's it's easy if you're David Hemphill and you wrote the route. <laughs> I just want to, to say know... that this is a great T-shirt or something like. I only source dive minified JavaScript. <laughs> <laughs> F equals function. Yeah, right. Um, but like, All if you're David Hempel, is one-liners. If you're David Hempel and you wrote that Nova API route, then of course you know you're what like, that payload's supposed to be because you defined that payload and you know what that function is expecting. Yeah. But me, the random Nova user, I don't know that. It's not documented anywhere. Like, where am I supposed to find that? Second, he has to create another user that is not involved in this test and give them Nova privileges so that he can do this acting as user and then submit the Nova route, which, come on now. I'm not making third users. It's crazy. It's craziness. Um, I guess that's only two reasons. But come on now. Just give me an action. 
just give me like a PHP unit test case extension or something. And it sounds like that, you know, this is all going to be worked out in the end. Sounds like David and James. Oh, it's definitely going to be worked out in the end. They're already figuring this out. They're already talking about this way before D. Cole started running his mouth. It was our... I've been running my mouth, TBH, but I've been... I've been keeping it low profile. That's what's up. I've, I'm pretty sure I've actually asked David Hemphill before, do you test actions? Maybe it wasn't David. Maybe I asked Taylor. Um, I asked someone involved with the project, like, how you test in actions? And the answer was like, oh, I don't really. And I was like, hmm, hmm, interesting. You must be that good. So here's the thing, David Hemphill. I see your very funny tweet. <laughs> I see it. And I see that that is it's helpful to the community that you have exposed that route that nobody knew about. Um, but I love that we have the high ground and nobody can defend themselves. But David Hemphill, allow me to say, you have not won with this tweet. <laughs> this tweet. This tweet is only a prolonging of the inevitable. And eventually, I will, in a PHP unit test, say, this arrow run nova action add to shit list colon colon class comma array caleb comma daniel <laughs> i will run that and then i will assert. assert that we have been added that we are dead to you yeah and then then we will know it's true you know we have then i will assert assert daniel arrow vindicated we i had a sort of a similar interaction with um ye second half of nova james brooks uh-huh dave Id wrote Nova, the front end at least, mm-hmm. and Taylor wrote the back end, and now James Brooks. I was source diving something, and I saw James Brooks in there. He's on it now. So he's he's like, him and David are the Nova guys. Like, they're the Nova team, them two. And I met him at Full Stack U, and he is a super nice guy. Super nice. James Brooks. Wow. What a nice guy. Uh-huh. And we, we hung out. We sat together at speaker dinner, and we hung out some other times. It was very fun. And... Uh, I say all this to say, James Brooks. Oh, yeah. I, I was like, yeah, dude, Nova. Super cool. You know, great. Good job, man. Blah, 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 blah. Okay, let's dish. Why do you mm-hmm. not have set default or with default or whatever default for these fields? When you're setting new fields and he's like, oh, interesting. You know, I'm not going to try to impersonate him so I don't offend all um, Englishmen. But mm-hmm. um, he, so then he, you know, he came back in the morning of the conference and was like telling me he's like yo okay all right i figured it out here's what you could do and i'm like bro i saw that on stack overflow you expect me to jump through these hoops basically you have two fields one's for editing one's for creating whatever it's it's just ganky hacky stuff and i'm like yeah i know i can do it in the sense that i can do everything in the world with mm-hmm. with um, php that gives me strength and i'm like but i'm looking for this basically mm-hmm. and so he's like all right done your wish is my command so, basically, you and I, we are terraforming the Laravel ecosystem by slinging, by running our mouths and demanding that things exist. We're speaking them into existence. You know what? You know what would really make us happy here at No Plans to Merge podcast? If everybody would do what we say. No, if they would just let us pull request things into Nova. Well, the thing is, we don't even want to do the work. We just want to no, tell I know. them. But... Because they don't, Caleb, you're you're undermining my platform here. <laughs> my platform is we have to bitch and complain about Nova. We have no other option. Right. 
you know, like we have to, we have to just make demands because that's that's all the power we have in the world. You know, it's true. But well, you can always it, go now on you've, Nova now you've let the cat out of the bat and told Nova issues and yeah, get get an issue closed forever. Now you've Locked. let the cat out of the bag and you've told them that we weren't going to do the work anyway. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> so you like gave away I'm our like, only oh, our only bargaining chip, <laughs> Blade. So Blade. <laughs> You know, you, did you see my tweet about Blade? Uh, so I don't know how this happened, but I think... Aren't all your tweets about Blade? They are. Do you tweet about other things, too? Rarely. So Sebastian and I, and maybe someone else. Dedine. Frank and Dedine. Dedine. Me Dedine. and Frank and Sebastian. Uh-huh. Or so, I don't know. I've talked with multiple people about, like, we need to kick Blade into gear. Like, mm-hmm. there's some potential here. Like, basically, mm-hmm. nobody's making back-end templating as sexy as front-end templating. And it's totally possible. Taylor replied and said he wants those PRs. Right, so I, I tweet out this thing. I'm like, yo, Blade could use some, <laughs> right? And this is Taylor like, cool, man, do the work. <laughs> like, yeah, he's like, sweet, which Give is so funny. Give me those sweet, sweet PRs. Yeah, exactly, because that's what I do, like, with LiveWare. People, uh-huh. people are like, yo, this should be this way or whatever. And I get, mm-hmm. I'm appreciative. Like, you should send me that mm-hmm. whether or not you plan on doing the work. But I'll be like, hey, man, would you be comfortable PRing that or, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then he says, "Yeah, man, PR it all." And then I'm like, "All right, well, I'm not going to do that, so it's over. Blade's doomed." Yeah, we need you, Taylor. Taylor, you have to. I'm not going to. As smart as you, I'm, I'm, you're smart enough to fix Blade. I don't know, man. It needs to be breathed from from on high. You made a whole live wire about it. What? I made a live wire. What's a live wire? You made a a whole a whole live wire about it. What are you talking about? You were here in the world wanting oh, to write Blade. Yeah, yeah. And you you couldn't write the Blade that you wanted because the world had demands that Blade could not meet. I know. It is interesting. And what did you do? You made yourself a live wire. Yeah, it's You took true. a wire and right. enlivened did, it. I did enliven a wire. And you're right, because as I think about this more, I'm like, well, I guess LiveWare does that. Like, oh, I really would yeah. love it if Blade was all componentized. Well, LiveWare is componentized. Oh, I would love it if, oh, yeah. Well. So. <clears throat> yeah, so that's There's what I'm saying. Like, you're, that, you know, who's more qualified? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe. To be the guy who makes, who fixes Blade. I do want, like, a Blade improvement manifesto where the community all puts our heads together and we figure out, like, there's no mute on these i'm so sorry and we figure out like how we make blade better basically i want components in blade dude that's a whole episode making blade better we already promised like this whole episode we have multiple times also also remember our two-hour episode and i said i had like five topics out of it oh man yeah i still have like i think i've talked myself out of two of them but i still have like three give me one so no, 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 no. These are tease me. Each, these are each whole episodes, dude. I got a whole other slew of whole episodes. I've been writing them down in a little oh, pad man. here. Caleb, we we gotta you gotta get back stateside, oh, bud. We got recording to do. Europe we got business to do. It's ruining me. It's ruining this get podcast. Get me out of here. It's ruining the listeners. It's ruining us. If I have to eat another damn croissant, Deagle. Croissant. 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 Exactly. Croissant. Man, um, do you watch Alex French Guy cooking on YouTube? Oh, funny you say that. He's the cooking wizard guy. He's basically the Walter White of cooking, right? He's 
a young French guy with like curly hair. Yeah, and he like has a lab for cooking. He's not just sitting. Yeah, there yeah, yeah. Like, He's not uh, like Rachel Ray. He's like Walter White. No, no, Walter White. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's ridiculous. So Mitch, he's amazing. Friend of the show and best friend of mine, Mitch, was uh-huh. way into him, and he showed me him. And I, Alex French guy, I cooking. couldn't stop watching him. And I don't even cook like often. I mean, I cook, but I don't cook. You know. And he does like non-cooking stuff too. Like he made a knife and. Mitch showed me the episode where he he makes. Uh, what does he do? He makes the perfect scrambled eggs in a hotel room. Did you see mm-hmm. that? Mm-hmm. He like, what does he do? He does something with like a coffee maker. Basically, he did one. He did like a eight part series about making the perfect ramen noodle. Really? Yeah, and he just goes deep. Yeah, he does. He's great. He did a multiple multi part series about like. He, he didn't have a good grocery bag. He wanted, like, a recyclable grocery bag that he could take to the grocery store on his bike that would be a little bit padded so that he could bring refrigerated things but would fold flat but was big enough to hold, like, a certain set of things and was recyclable. He had this, like, whole, like, series of criteria and was like, this bag does not exist, so I'm going to... And it had to be really light. Mm. And he was like, I'm going to make this bag. And so he just, like, is going through materials, and he, like, gets a sewing machine, and he's, like, sewing a bag. And, like, now they're, like, mass-produced. They're made out of, like, Tyvek, like, construction siding. Interesting. Uh, it's a really, really interesting – he's an interesting cat, dude. He, I like he's him. He's one of those YouTube channels. It's just gold. Yeah. It's pure gold. Amazing. Yeah. He made the perfect pasta roller as well. Okay. It's great. He's great. He's great. He his like his cooking lab. I it's just so inspiring. He's yeah, got, but it's in Paris. You should go find it. Yeah, I guess I should. Oh, we didn't even talk about. Uh, we don't have to talk about this, but I did an interview at Prismic. Um, What's Prismic? So Prismic is a headless CMS. It's actually pretty sweet. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I've heard of this. Okay, yeah, it's pretty sweet. And they emailed me. Oh, we talked about this. We talked about this, right? They emailed me out of the blue. It was my celebrity dev moment when. They emailed me out of the blue and were like, hey. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. What, so what did you do? You did an interview with them? Yeah. So I went down to their office, and it's in Paris. It's in the city. And uh, and I went, you know, they had lunch for me, and I ate lunch with the team. They have a pretty decent team, like 30-something people. And they have, like, you know, a nice open office plan, and it's, you know, nice new office style, whatever. Um, and then we went into the studio. Um, well, I got to like sit with some developers and they like showed me stuff they're working on, like a lot of Vue developers I was working with. Nice. And it was very fun, like really, and I was going at it with them. You know, I'm sitting down like grokking what they're doing, giving them like tips or being like, yo, that's cool, but what about this? And they're telling me things, mm-hmm. you know, it was really fun. Um, and then I went to their studio. They have a, it's a totally separate apartment in this building that's a studio that's all set up with like lighting and everything. It's a, it's a video studio with everything and um yeah and it was dude i mean it was like uh it's not quite ellen but it's basically basically there um yeah sitting in a chair with light oh they hire a freelancer to do it all so it's all like legit equipment and editing and everything and uh and yeah and i, and I did it with the ceo so uh he's nice. actually a chill guy and we just started talking and we recorded i think five or six little 10 to 20 minute episodes the last one was like an hour Nice. But, um, yeah, we spanned the whole gamut. It was actually really fun, super fun. What kind of stuff did you talk about? We talked about writing less JS. We talked about oh, we talked we talked about sex accessibility. 
podcasts. We talked mm-hmm. about Livewire. We talked about SPAs. We talked about headless CMSs. We talked about, and then, so the way they do it is they interview me. He interviews me for a while for like mm-hmm. I don't know, two or three hours. And then I interview him for the last segment, which took quite a while, but it was fun. Cause I was like, I don't know. I was like, all right, this is a crazy opportunity. So I took time and wrote down all yeah, these yeah. questions and asked him good stuff. My first question, whatever. My first question was like, why is it better? Why is, is WordPress better than that? Are you better than WordPress? And mm-hmm. kind of just a flaming thing. But we talked about everything. He's super open. I was about to grill him on like salary transparencies and he was down. He's down for everything. Nice. Super cool dude. Like it was awesome. I could just ask him. And awesome. He's like, ask me anything. Whatever you want. Grill me. I'm like, great. So I did. And it'll all be on YouTube at some point after it's That's all cool. put together. After they edit out the, the hard questions that you asked. I know. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, uh, yeah, I mean, they had they have like a lot of the top, I mean, some top people. Wes Boss is one of their guys and Tim, whatever, the next guy, creator of Next. Who, I dude, so many stories. We could. I hung out with him for a decent amount. Tim, ah, I wish I knew his last name, something with an N. He's the creator of Next. Sure. He maintains Next. Um, we talked for a while, which was funny. Frank was like the no JS guys talking to the JS guy, but I don't know. We have a lot right. in common. It was fun. Where was this? This was a full stack. Was this EU, a full so stack? He spoke. Yeah. Nice. Uh, Newtkins. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. He's from the Netherlands. The Netherlands. The Netherlands. Dope. Anyway. Yeah. Anyway. Well, good, good catching up with you. Thank you for uh, staying up late into your European evening. I know we got some more Disneyland Paris to do tomorrow. Mm. Can't be, uh, can't be low on sleep. Mm. Yeah, gotta stay sharp. That's right. Small world's well, not gonna. You know, they're gonna be mean to you. They are. <laughs> <laughs> that they are. Ugh, man. Mm. Good podcast. Sure is interesting what a weird, tyrannical, customer service fascist state we live in. It is. It really is. But I tell you, man, you go to Florida, I mean, compared to this, Mm. Florida's like the real deal. When you're here, it's not the real deal. Yeah. It's funny, though, that the only people in Florida who are nice to you are the people who work at Disneyland. Everyone else is mean as shit. Oh, yeah. I mean, Disney World is like the size of San Francisco, right? Yeah. I think it's the size Giant. or bigger than yeah, San Francisco. San Francisco's not that big. It's a city, though. Yeah, Disneyland it's Paris it's is about the size of my backyard. Hmm. So you're doing well for yourself in your Very in your sabbatical. Well. Ever since I went full-time on Livewire. <laughs> your backyard grows every day. Well, I mean, it was just one big... You just buy up the adjacent properties. Yeah. Yep. I have an estate, a growing estate. Mm-hmm. Yep. Estate management. Oh, dude. We can talk about state as well. Estate management. We don't have time for any of this, Caleb. Oh, my gosh. I've had a lot of time to think. I haven't been on yeah. my laptop at all. I'm waiting in lines at Disney with a field yeah. notes, writing down all yeah. these thoughts. It's nonsense. It's madness. Oh, okay, D. Cole. We're going to have to keep this podcast going. Caleb, we got to, we got to, like, point. We gotta like get, we gotta get together sometime. I agree. We'll we'll have to do our no we plans just to merge. Uh, offsite. Onsite. Onsite. Offsite. Yeah. And uh, we should do we should do like we just bank a couple, give them 
them all like one a day for like a week or something. Just just like hash out some stuff. We should. That'd be so great. That would be great. We feed should. The, we should at the least little, fly to each other. We should fly to hungry, somewhere. The hungry little little content piggies. Yeah, they are a bunch of hungry pigs. Mm. Swine. Swine. <laughs> a generation of swine. <laughs> Teal, te- uh, tales of shame and degradation in the eighties. We should though. We should we should yeah. buy some plane tickets to like somewhere in between us. Yeah. Or somewhere totally unrelated. Or somewhere totally unrelated, but Budge is a little tight I, after I've never Disneyland been to Des Moines. Pier, so. That's true. I've never been to Des Moines, though, and that's that's cheap. Uh, is that Idaho? Iowa? Iowa? Something Des Moines, with Iowa? Des Moines? <laughs> I don't, now I don't know. I don't want to go to Iowa, I'll tell you that. I knew, I knew before you asked. I'll go to Idaho. Mm. That's pretty far. Listen. Uh, yeah, dog. We'll have to do that. We will have to do that. Have to do where's it. a good spot so you got yourself you're in north carolina yeah sure am um basically anywhere that i mean if frontier flies there directly in less than two hours i'm there yeah see i'm on allegiant if allegiant flies there i'm there i mean i can get there the with the expensive airlines but right. like allegiant flies places for like 100 bucks. i know same with frontier less we got to find the overlap. Where's the overlap airport that they both hit? I mean, North Carolina is not that far. Like, yeah, Frontier true. probably even flies. Did Frontier directly. get you here? How'd you get here? Oh, you drove for the wedding, right? Yeah, drove. Yeah. Yeah. Classic. How's your camper? <laughs> Let's not talk about that. <laughs> Are you paying your dad rent? No. Oh, you said you were going to, and then you didn't? No, I was going to dismantle before the, the time hit. I mm-hmm. told him I got ready. I'm like, I'm going to dismantle it and sell it off. Like, because mm-hmm. it's, you know, decent lumber, I guess. I don't know. Just mm-hmm. sell the trailer, sell the plywood, and whatever. And mm-hmm. uh, he's like, he gave he, my dad's the best. He's like, Caleb, he's like, you know what? I don't want this to die. He's like, you had a goal. You had a dream. It's like, I want you to keep at it. You don't have to do it now, but I want you to return to it. So I was like, big guy. Call me that big guy. Mm-hmm. Big guy? You're such a big guy. <laughs> such a big guy. So such a big, one, of the, one of the biggest guys. One of the biggest guys. That's what I tell him. Yeah. yeah every time. Easily the I biggest tell him guy. Every day. Every day I tell him, this guy, this guy is a huge guy. One of the biggest guys. Huge. I tell everybody's saying it. Everybody's saying this guy, so big. I don't know what you're doing right now, Dico. I, I was trying to do a, do a Trump impression. Oh really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was like I wasn't sure if that was like salary man meets Trump. Everybody's saying that I'm one of the biggest guys. <laughs> They're saying it about me. Lying CNN is saying that I'm small, yeah. but every, oh, the real news says that I'm the biggest guy. It's just the accent. I, I get the cadence is there. Yeah, I can't, I can't do the, the accent. accent. I, just don't, like a, I just don't do the accent. I only do the cadence. Says, <laughs> I can't do it. Folks, folks. Yeah. Uh, Everyone's saying it. <laughs> the hand's good, too. That's, that's definitely, you need the hands. Like. Everyone's saying it. Yep. Everyone's saying, I'm huge. Yep. 
Ugh. You're huge. Giant. Okay, Decol. I'm gonna go. Um, this, yeah, we've been dragging it on. Seriously, let's just Get let's just let it face. die. Let it die. Cue the outro music. Bum ba dum. No.